title of this message, if you're taking notes, is The Path, Pearl, and Payment. The Path, Pearl, and Payment. We're going to pray, and then we'll begin. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you now, Lord, because you are the God of the universe. And it can be so easy to go about our lives, about our days, forgetting about you, Lord, because we don't see with our physical eyes, but we have to see you with our spiritual eyes. To know that you're in our midst, in our presence, Lord. And there are times, Lord, that we know that you're near, but we soon often forget. So would you just come into this place in a supernatural way, show us your power, show us your grace, and may we fall in love with you a little bit more today. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you are going to see Star Wars this weekend, by the way? Okay. Just curious. I'm going to see it tomorrow on IMAX. I'm excited. Do you guys like Christmas? Is anyone's birthday on Christmas? Uh, just wondering. Good. Jason Kim's? All right, cool. Shh. So I remember in third grade, going to a Christian school, everyone forces you to do Secret Santa. So I being the kid that I was, I delivered, I, you know, there's this girl in, in my class, she was kind of cute, but that's besides the point. So like to a third grader. So I'm... I have to buy her a present. So I come in and I give her the biggest box in the entire classroom and everybody's looking like, oh my gosh, Alan went out of his way. Maybe Alan likes her, I don't know. And so this giant box, I deliver it to her. She's ecstatic, she's excited. What could it be that deserves such a big box? Opens the box. There's another box. <laughs> you see where I'm going? Opens that box, and yet another box, a little bit smaller. Listen, back in the day, this was an original thing. Until she got to this tiny, tiny box, because there were just so many boxes I had. She opened that box, and there was nothing inside. And then she said, you didn't get me anything. I said, I got you a box. Yeah, I don't know where she is in life anymore. I feel bad for her. If she's listening now, I'm sorry, Samantha. <laughs> but I think about this. In some ways, the world is like that. It has big promises that it shows you things and makes you desire them, but it leaves you empty-handed. 1 John 2:15 says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievement and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. It's important to know that in this passage, he's saying that the world offers you things, physical pleasure, 
everything that we see and pride in achievements and possessions, but it fills your stomach with only more hunger pains, cravings. If you have, you know, your stomach's growling, you can't say that I'm filled with growls, right? You're empty and that's why you're growling. And in the same way, the world offers fulfillment, but can't actually hold on, uh, keep true to their promises. So the question we all have to ask ourselves is, are we on a path towards hunger pains or a path towards true fulfillment? Whether you're a Christian here tonight or you're not a Christian, each and every one of us is on a road somewhere. And the world lies to us with all these different sayings. Maybe you've heard them before. If it feels right, it can't be wrong. Live for the moment. Follow your heart. Believe in yourself. All these things are just things that you kind of grow up with. Just like people say, you know, everything works together for good. How do you know that? It's just, you know, it's things that people say. If it feels right, it can't really be wrong, can it? So the world tells you to do, live, follow, believe. And these are actions that will take you down a pathway in life. The question is, where do these pathways lead? Where are these pathways going? Now, when I was in Boston about a month ago, I really had to get, use the restroom. And it's probably TMI, but you'll see where I'm going with this. I'm in traffic and I'm trying to find a restroom and I've never been to Boston in my life. So I'm driving my car and I figure I'll just take the next exit. I take the next exit and lo and behold, I'm in this rural development where it seems like there's no stores, no gas stations, no nothing. I'm in Boston. I should be near some kind of establishment, but I don't see anything. And so at this point, I just, you know, I really, really have to find a restroom. I'm running out of time. And so as I'm driving down these narrow paths in these neighborhoods, I'm trying to think like, oh man, is there, is there a way I can just jump into the forest or something? But there's houses everywhere. So at this point, I'm freaking out. I'm like, Lord, do you really want me to die of my bladder exploding? Is that how you want it? It's like Alan was youth pastor at Calvary Chapel, Old Bridge. You know, he had a bright future in front of him and then his bladder exploded because he held in his urine. It'd be a very sad fate. So I'm praying, literally praying. I don't think I've prayed this hard this entire year. I'm praying, Lord, please, just a resume or something. And then finally, a hospital. Yes. Thank you. Even if my bladder exploded, I'm in the right place. So I run inside. I find a restroom and, you know, whatever. So I, I survived. Long story short. Anyway, <laughs> Proverbs says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the road of death. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have used that illustration. But here's what I'm saying. Bring it back now. Every pathway has a destination, even if it's a dead end. And everybody's trying to go somewhere. Another illustration might be, and don't worry, it's not graphic. But this one has death in it. Let's, let's imagine that you're, you know, you're going hiking. And then you see a rock climber. I rock climb. You see a rock climber fall off a cliff. And he falls to his, what would seem is his death. He's barely breathing. And so you call an ambulance. EMTs get there. And as they're getting there, they can't find the injured person. At some point, you have to ask yourself, are you going the right way? Because every pathway has a destination. 
Now, a lot of people might say things like, but all roads lead to heaven. Any way that you take leads to heaven. What? Who came up with that? All roads lead to heaven. That's not true of anything. If any of you asked me how to get to the Freehold Mall, and I said, if you take any road, it'll get you there. I'm wrong. I'm absolutely wrong. There'd be times that I'm working at, the, you know, when I used to, used to work at Exxon over in Route 9, I'm sitting there and then people come in and ask for directions all the time. They would never trust me. They would literally, they'll ask me for directions. I give it to them and they ask somebody else, someone older, someone with a beard or something. And it would always frustrate me. So a person comes in and they say, you know, uh, where's Route 9? And I say, you're looking at it. They said, no, this is Route 18. Like, oh, I've only, I only work here. So I guess I'm wrong. Why did you ask me a question if you didn't want to hear the answer anyway? If you go to a doctor and you ask them how to get better for your cold, for whatever, is, whatever it is, you don't want your doctor to say any medication you take will be fine because we know that's not true. There is a specific medication you need to take in order to get well. So if that's true of roads and if that's true of medication, isn't there an answer to the most important question of life? Where do I go when I die? How can I truly be fulfilled and be happy? I love, you know, whether you, you are, what side you are on on this debate. Uh, I was watching the news um, a couple weeks ago and, you know, Donald Trump was talking about how he saw thousands and thousands of people celebrating the Twin Towers falling on 9-11. And it was right happening right over in Jersey City. And the media went crazy over this. They were saying, this is false, this is not true. And I love what Chris Cuomo says. Whether it was true or not is not my point, but here's my point. Even CNN, Chris Cuomo says this. You shouldn't be able to choose your own facts. See, deep down inside, all of us know that there has to be an answer to these questions. And we're not satisfied with hearing any road you take will be just fine. In fact, we know that that is misleading. So the question is, when it comes to the path, how do you know that you're going in the right direction? Many people just want to be happy now. And because you want to be happy now, you do whatever, what seems to be making everybody else happy in the moment. And so people will follow a pathway to fame because you see the euphoric expressions on the face of those NFL players when they win the Super Bowl. People crying, jumping for joy, laughing, excited, their trophies, the money that they win. And because you see that and it looks good and you have thousands of thousands of people in a stadium celebrating with them, you say, it would be great. Imagine if I could be that person. And so you start to do actions, take actions that will lead you down that pathway. Or if the pathway towards riches seems good, you'll see on the news or you'll see certain celebrities with all that money and you think, Wow, if they have mansions, if they have those cars, then they really must be happy. So you follow the pathway to riches. But if you've been alive for any point in time, what you know is when you start to follow down those paths, fulfillment always escapes you. All of us watch these movies, watch the news, listen to music that tells us one thing, but when we try to live it out, it doesn't work. I mean, how many of us watch those movies where the nice guy gets the girl, but in real life, never happens. How many of us listen to music where it tells us to believe in yourself, 
You can be whatever you want to be, but no matter how hard you try, it doesn't seem to work that way. Even the team that wins has a short-lived celebration. The NFL team that wins one year isn't satisfied for the rest of their lives. They want to win again the next year. King Solomon was one of the richest kings that has ever lived in history. And this is what he said in Ecclesiastes. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I have worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Maybe you need someone a little bit more relevant, so I'll quote Jim Carrey, the famous actor. He says this, I wish everyone would get rich and famous and everything they ever dreamed of so that when they would, they would know that it is not the answer. How many of you have been to Trenton before and you've been on Route 1? Anyone been to Trenton before? Have you seen that bridge with that giant slogan on it? On Route 1, there's a slogan that's humongous on a bridge that says this, Trenton makes, the world takes. And this slogan was invented by a guy named S. Roy Heath in the early part of the 20th century. And they wanted to promote the idea that Trenton is supplying the needs of the entire world. But did you know there was an original version that was rejected and reformulated? The original version of the slogan was, the world takes, Trenton makes. And I think this is kind of how our world is today. That the world demands your allegiance, your efforts, your sweat. And so everything that you can do, the world wants from you. And so people want to obtain that trophy and they'll kill themselves to get it or good grades and you'll work hard late at night studying, doing extra homework and whatever so that you can obtain what the world is offering and we sweat to pacify this hungry world. But what if there was a narrow path that few people found that actually led to everlasting life? What if this path that we've been going down this entire time actually is a dead end? Would you know? You wouldn't know by the reactions of everybody around you because they always have to live in this perpetual state of being fake. I mean, if we're realistic, all of us know that we don't put on Instagram the pictures that we, uh, the five pictures that we didn't put up in order to get the one picture that we did. All of us know that there, there are moments in our life that we don't want everybody else to see. And so the things that we put on social media are the things that are the best of. The best of my vacation, the best of my day. And so everybody else just believes that we are always happy, that we have everything right, or the reverse. That maybe if you are a person that cries for attention and you're going through a hard time and then you'll post it on social media, I'm depressed, I'm sad, this girl left me, whatever. And so people see that and people believe certain things about you by what you present so what if the world is just making us believe that this is the path to fulfillment when in actuality it is the road to death, what we know? Well, this is where we get to the second point, which is the pearl. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46, I want to read you a passage. You can turn there if you want. Matthew 13, 44 through 46. Here are the words of Jesus Christ. He says this about the path. Again, the kingdom of heaven 
is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field again the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who when he had found one pearl of great price went and sold all that he had and bought it so what jesus says about the kingdom of heaven the way to life the way to fulfillment and the way to escape death after we pass the second death and he describes two different situations one you have a non-seeker who stumbles upon a treasure and one you have a person who's actively seeking a pearl and finds it both people we can see are people that we see every single day people that are not looking for the road to the fulfillment and don't find uh, fulfillment or they stumble upon true life and true fulfillment and then there's a person who's actively pursuing it and once they find it the kingdom of god and what we're talking about is jesus and his way once they find it they are willing to sell everything that they have in order to purchase that pearl and get rid of everything to get that treasure now you might be thinking at this point wait a minute doesn't this put us back back in the exact same position because in both situations people are giving up everything they have either for the world or for God and that's why maybe that you haven't been a religious person because you feel like there are a lot of things that you're gonna have to give up I'm gonna have to stop drinking with my friends I'm gonna have to stop partying I'm gonna stop I have to stop cursing and all these things and the way that I express this is who I am I can't change me so why even bother I'm just gonna go into the world well here's the thing yes it's true the world demands and there are things that God asks of us too however I would say this it's only a, a problem if what you give up is worth more than what you gain giving up things is only a problem if you're giving up more in worth than what you gain there's a long time ago that my mom when I was probably about 10 years old she gave me a $50 bill fresh off the press handed it to me and said I don't want you to ever spend this so literally I didn't for a good 10 years I didn't spend that $50 bill I kept it with me wherever I went I memorized the the serial code AB8878227D and so I carried it everywhere that I went now the problem is I spent it once yes it's true I did spend it and I, I got it back and here's the story behind that so I went into Rita's and since I always had this $50 bill on me I forgot I did not have a credit card at the time and I didn't have any other cash on me and so when I bought Rita's and, and I got whatever it was at the time I forgot it was probably a gelato or something they asked for the payment and all I had was a $50 bill and to my dismay I had to give it to them because I had nothing else and I did so I gave that $50 bill that thing that I had held on to for 10 years prior and I was destroyed inside I was I mean it was a $50 bill I got the change but at some level I knew I gave up something that was worth more than was printed on that bill so I called my dad and I said you have to bail me out give me two dollars please he drives over and I get my $50 bill back and I kept it and then one day in California I lost it a couple years ago I was so sad I just like that was the epic you know that was that was it it was gone anyway here's the point all of us know there are certain things that are worth more and so that they're worth more than what we have and so they're worth giving up certain things for and so the problem is oftentimes we take the things that God has given us good things 
and we make them into ultimate things, and we worship creation rather than the creator. God gives us every single thing that we have. When he made you, informed you, he's giving you talents and abilities to his glory. And that's not him being selfish. Actually, when we glorify God with our gifts, that's when we find true satisfaction. Because you're going to use those gifts for something. You're going to use your talents in sports, your talents in music for someone or something. And so you'll write music about a girl, a guy. And all of us know that that guy and girl probably isn't worth what you're writing. But since God is so good and everything that we have is from God, like our earthly fathers who we owe a debt to for raising us and our earthly mothers, how much more a heavenly father who has given us our very life and breath and so when we worship him, we realize that we have found something good to worship. And so when Jesus is the center point, then everything else becomes expendable. Everything else isn't as worth, uh, worth as much as Jesus and his love and his mercy and his sacrifice. And so everything else, now I'm free to try being an actor or try being a photographer or try doing other things. And it does not matter if that doesn't amount to becoming my career because those things don't define me. And a lot of people today are defining themselves by what they do. First question that you ask people when you meet them, like, oh, what, what school do you go to? Like, so what do you do? And like, oh, I, did, I just, you know, I play sports or I like this or like that. We define ourselves by the things that we do. And oftentimes those things aren't worth defining us. You are more than what you do. So maybe you're here today and you're thinking, well, I'm still not interested. I'm not religious. Well, let me give you another illustration. Let's say that you are in the middle of a desert and you haven't, you haven't drank water for like three days, okay? So you're about to die, I guess. I don't know. I'm not a survival expert, but I'm pretty sure because I listened to this illustration elsewhere before. So I think you can survive on three days. So you're in this desert and you can imagine you're just like, you have no moisture in your mouth. Your skin is all like clammy. And as you're wandering in this desert, you see a toilet and there's water inside. Now I'm not saying it's dirty water. I'm just saying it's a toilet and there's water inside. Now, how many of you would be like, oh, I would never drink out of a toilet. You better believe that you're about to drink out of that toilet because you haven't drank anything for three days and you're wandering in the middle of the desert. However, if you have a choice between the toilet and someone has Fiji water on the other side, don't you think you would probably choose Fiji water over the toilet. The problem is people are starving and people are thirsty. And so they're willing to, to choose whatever they think will satisfy them in the moment. Not realizing there are much better options, far better options right around the corner. And so Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and I will give him living water so that he would never thirst ever again. So what's important in this parable about the pearl is, is to point out that Jesus is not saying that you can buy eternal life with what you have. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you need to give up everything that you have in order to find eternal life and in order to find fulfillment. But you simply need to recognize the value of his kingdom, that the Fiji water is better than the toilet. You need to be able to recognize saying that the kingdom of God is far more in worth than anything that this world has to offer. So if that's the case though, then you have to ask yourself, well then who paid for the pearl? 
if I can't pay for it, and even if I sell everything that I have, it's not going to amount to what God has done for me, then who in the world has paid that price? So we've talked about the path. We talked about the pearl. Now we're going to talk about the payments. First thing we need to understand is when we do wrong things, in other words, sin, we are going in the path of the world. And when you go down the path of the world, you become an enemy, an enemy of God. You're opposing him. Just like jihadists, terrorists, who pursue their own pleasure at other people's costs are our enemies. Let's say that they, they believe that they're nice people. Let's say they believe that they just want to be happy. It's coming at the cost of other people's lives and it is, they become our enemies. Now, I'm not, to say, I'm not saying that you're a jihadist or you're a terrorist. I'm not saying that, so don't get that. What I am saying is there are oftentimes, if you think about it, you've done wrong things to other people that have given them cause to become your enemy. You've gossiped, you've lied, you've, you've stolen from someone. And so you've given that person cause to not like you. How much more the God of the universe when we offend him constantly by our actions? Think about this. When you sin, what you're saying is, thank you, God, for creating me, and I'm going to do my own thing. It's like a father who has a child, and that child says, you know what? I'm glad that you raised me. I'm glad that you paid my entire college tuition. You've given me everything I've had. You've given me a brand new car, given me food, and you haven't asked for anything from me, but I'm going to go take all of your stuff, and I'm going to live my own way in opposition to what you want for me. Romans 5.12 says, When Adam sinned, Adam being the first man, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, and so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. So the question is, who then goes to heaven? If we are all offensive towards God and we've all sinned, who in the world gets to go to heaven and obtain that pearl? Well, the answer is no one. No one? Yes, literally no one. The Bible says that there is none good. No, not one. And you may feel like you're a good person, but that's only because you're comparing yourself to other people that aren't as good as you. When you think that you're good, it's because, well, I'm not as bad as that person. I don't murder it. I don't do those things. But when you compare yourself to God, it's a completely different story. I love what the singer of Flyleaf, Lacey Sturm says. She says this, when you're standing in front of God saying, I'm good, it's like saying I'm tall when you're standing in front of a mountain. I'm big when you're standing in front of the ocean or I'm old while looking at the stars. The thought is absurd. And I realized that I had no idea what good was because up to the point that I, I had not stood in the presence of the God who made the universe. So we need to recognize that we are not good and we are in trouble. And the reason why we can't go to heaven is because if God let, let basically good people like you or me go to heaven, then guess what? Heaven would be just like earth. People that are basically good still lie, still gossip, still cheat, still hurt each other. And we would have the same problem all over again. Now, here is the turning point. Romans 5.8 says this, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So if you know that you've done things wrong in this life, you know that you are a sinner, there's good news for you because that is the reason why Jesus Christ came into this world. The story of Christmas is all about how God in his love for you 
decided to step into eternity and not come as a king to rule over us, but to come as a baby in order to serve us. He came to heal people and he came to set the captives free. We have been originally made in the image of God and when we sinned, that image was distorted. Just like you might have a name and by you doing wrong to your family, you tarnish the name of your family. We've tarnished the image of God. But guess what? Jesus Christ came in the image of a man and he had to be marred in the image of man so that we could be restored into the image of God. Jesus Christ came in order that you and I could be set free and set things right again so that we could be returned into the original state where God made everything good. The Bible says, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so if you were to stand before the judge today, if God were to judge you for each and every wrong that you've ever done, each and every wrong that nobody else knows, the things that you've done in secret that you think no one has ever seen, but God has seen. Jesus says, I'm offering to pay your debt in full if you would only accept my free gift. Jesus is the ultimate gift to humanity and he, he himself is the path of eternal life. We talked about the path, the pearl, and the payment. Well, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this gift was so anticipated that even Babylonian astrologers in the form of wise men, you know the Christmas story, came from far away seeking God, seeking the Messiah. So three closing uh, thoughts before we pray tonight. Why did Jesus come? Why? He didn't have to. Well, this is what he says about himself. There are a number of reasons, but I'll give you three. Number one, Jesus came to give life in a world of death. John 10.10 10 says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. In other words, life to the full. Life that doesn't start when you die and go to heaven, but life that can begin today in opposition to the world of death that just wants to steal from you and take things from you. And if you're honest, you and I know that when you get drunk, it's fun in the moment, but it's not fun the next morning. You guys know that it might be fun for a season to dabble in this thing or that thing or to give yourself to another person, to have sex with a person, to do things with another person. But you know when that person abandons you, you're crushed. And it wasn't meant to be that way. Jesus came to call sinners to repent in a world of unrighteousness. That's number two. To call sinners to repent in a world of unrighteousness. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, verse 13, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Repentance just means this, to turn the opposite way and go the opposite direction. To stop going in the, the path that you are going now and decide to follow the way of life. And that, that's what God is asking you to do to repent of your ways, to turn away from them because the ways that you are going may seem right for a season, but its way is the road that leads to death. And so Jesus would ask you to repent because he loves you. And the problem is people often today define themselves by their sin. 
Who do you think you are to tell me that I can't have sex before marriage? Who are you to tell me what I should be or what I should look like or how I should dress or whatever? Well, I'm not telling you anything. I'm just telling you what the Bible tells you and what the God of the universe says about you. Because let me tell you this, anytime that you sin, you're hurting yourself and you're hurting other people. And you're also offending the God of the universe. Sin will always lead to hurt and death. Number three though, even though God calls us to repent, Jesus came to save people in a world of condemnation. Maybe the reason why you don't repent is because you're afraid of people bringing you down, telling you that you're wrong, shaming you. Well, Jesus didn't come here to shame you today. He's not speaking to you so that you feel embarrassed. But in John chapter three, it says this, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So check this out. Everyone look up here. There's a day of judgment coming for each and every one of us. We're gonna have to give an account for the way that we lived our lives, either when we die or when Jesus returns, the God of the universe returns to make things right. The question is, on how will you base your righteousness? Whose righteousness are you gonna to point to? Yourself or to the God of the universe? And say that I accepted Jesus's free gift and that's why I have been made righteous. Because he promises that if you accept him, that he will remove your sin as far as the east is from the west. That he will make you as white as snow. So our job is not to purchase salvation by giving it all, but it's to recognize what Jesus gave for us. That ultimately, although the kingdom of God is worth giving everything for, for the joy of finding that pearl, it sells everything that he has. All of us know if you found something valuable, you know, I think of the times that I've just even found a great deal online or I found like a car that was cheap or I wanna jump on that sale as fast as possible because I knew it was a good deal. When you see the kingdom of God for free, it's a free gift of salvation. Anything you give up for it will be more than worth it. But it's also to recognize that even if we give all those things that Jesus truly is the one who gave up his, his, his rights, he laid down his powers to become a man to die for our sakes so that he could obtain us. The Bible says that it is a reasonable service to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, because that's a reasonable thing that we should do. If God gave everything for us, shouldn't we give everything for him? But realize when you do give things for him, you are not losing, but you are only gaining. In this world, let me tell you one thing, okay? So this is the defining thing I think about Christianity, amongst other things, but this is one of the defining traits. In the world, you might have great entertainment, and you might come here and be like, well, you know that guy, I guess he's saying, okay. You know that music, it was all right. I mean, those songs are kind of cheesy. I don't know what you guys are singing about. You might be looking at here and be like, that guy's an okay speaker. You know, like I will never be able to compete with MTV. I'll never be able to compete with um, Hollywood or whatever. Because the world has a lot of money behind the things that they do. But here's the thing that the world can never compare to. In the church, you have Christian community. And when you give up certain things and you come into this room, right now you have people all around you that love each other, that probably 
if we weren't Christians, we'd probably never hang out with each other ever. I definitely wouldn't be hanging out with a bunch of teenagers. I'm 27 years old. Why would I do that? But because we are here because of the love of God and nothing else, now people that are, you know, the people that are the skaters are hanging out with the people that play basketball, the people that normally will look at that person like, I don't want to hang out with a nerd. You have a newfound love for that person. The person that's enemies. There might be people here that you honestly don't get along with a lot of people. But because of the love of God, you are united. And that's something the world does not have because it's only Jesus who gives us the power and strength to love even our enemies. The world only loves people that loves people uh, that love them back. But we love the people that nobody else loves. And we pray for God to change their hearts too. And so when you give up certain friends, certain people that are bringing you down, you come into a family here. That's one of the things I love about our youth group in particular is there are, there are people here that they walk in for the first time and immediately you guys walk up to them and welcome them in. You talk to them, make them feel loved. And that's the way that it should be. So maybe you're a person who is just completely against faith and religion, Christianity. And you say, I don't believe in faith. I believe in facts. And that's your objection. So like, well, that's all well and good, but I just don't know if everything you're saying is true. But listen about that. Listen to this. Faith simply is trusting the word of one who knows more than you. It doesn't mean that it can't be doubted. You can doubt everything if you really want to. But you're trusting the word of somebody else that's speaking uh, about a certain thing. So if you ask a stranger, just as an example, you ask anybody here, or maybe you're out in New York City, you ask a person, hey, what time is it? And they tell you the time. Is that unable to be doubted? Of course you can doubt whether they told you the time, but you trust that they told you the right time if you don't have a watch, right? Why do you trust them? You're putting faith in somebody else because you think that they are a trustable person. So do you trust in the midst of a world of uncertainty? Can you trust people? Can you trust the friend that brought you tonight? Can you trust people around you? Or are you always going to be jaded and feeling like you can't trust anyone. Now, maybe you're thinking this is a bad analogy because this is much more important than time. This is talking about the question of God, heaven, and hell. But I think the analogy only gets better the weightier it gets. Because if one of you guys, one of your friends said, oh my gosh, I found gold. You would trust that person based on whether or not you think that person's trustworthy. Has they, has they shown them, have they shown themselves dependable in the past and if so, then you can trust them in the future. and You can trust them currently. So even more so, the question is, what is God seeing you right now? If you were to just, you know, take what I'm saying and say, okay, I will grant that God exists. What is he saying to your heart right now? Is your heart beating fast? In your place where like you're just, you're trying to counteract everything I'm saying in your mind. You're just like, no, that I don't. And you're just, you have all these walls up. But maybe, I'm not saying those things are bad, but at some point you have to ask yourself, when am I going to realize whether or not this is true? When am I gonna figure out whether or not I got the right directions? If I'm going on the right path or am I going the wrong direction? Right now is the time to trust in the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse two, God says, at just the right time I heard you, on the day of salvation I helped you, and indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. 
if you have been thinking about this question, don't wait. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm not here to scare anybody, but people, their lives fade quite fast. Before you know it, it's gonna be gone. Before you know it, you're gonna be 27 years old. You're like, what the heck? I thought I was in high school. I'm not in high school anymore. Before you know it, you might lose some people that are really close to you. You yourself, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. So wouldn't you wanna know that you're doing the right thing today? Why push it off any longer?